Welcome to the Stacking Slabs podcast. Join Brett to get the latest sports cards investment advice, hear from industry experts that are deep in the trenches, and find out when to turn left when the rest of the market is going right. Get eBay ready, get PayPal ready. Let's be students of the game and stack those slabs. Welcome back to Stacking Slabs, everybody. Thank you so much for tuning in. Thank you so much for your support. Congratulations, you made it to Friday. If you're listening to this a couple days after, hopefully you're enjoying your weekend. I had such an awesome time and we got so much great feedback last week that I decided to bring Jordan from Sports Card Analytics back on for part two. We talk about Bull Bull Mania. You thought that was going to die this week? No way. We talk about Bull Bull Mania. We talk about NBA, NBA playoffs, the bubble. Talk about baseball a little bit, believe it or not. And there's some football to sprinkle on in the end. Thank you so much for your support. Thank you so much for all the positive messages. I really believe what's happening right now in the hobby is something that's unprecedented. And we are all in it together. We're all talking things through. We're all trying to find opportunities. But most important, we're trying to have fun. And trying to have fun is always what we're trying to do on Stacking Slabs. So thank you so much. I hope you enjoy the conversation. Welcome back to Stacking Slabs. We've got a Friday Hobby Hustle conversation. I've got our first reoccurring guest on today's show. I know you were here last week, but welcome back to the show, Jordan. How are you doing? I'm doing great. I said last episode that I love to talk about sports cards. So, you know, I had to come back for another one. I, I really need someone to talk to, and you're a great guy to talk to about sports cards. But before we get started, I do want to just give a shout out to the hobby in general. Ever since I started creating content for the past month, YouTube episodes, I've had a lot of good feedback from people. I've had people, uh, you know, I reach out to a lot of people to see if they'll come talk to me. And even people like veterans in the game, House of Jordans, Cardboard Chronicles, all these guys, like they're just really open to coming on and just talking about cards. And I think it's great for the hobby. You follow Lamine James, right? Yeah, he's a really great guy. He reached out to me after my last episode where I made a parody about these, these uh, sports card uh, gurus who put out videos with, about picks and they don't really give you a general like uh, insight to these players and they just tell you what to buy. He reached out to me, said it was great, and uh, he followed me first, but I, I gave him a follow back and started checking out his stuff, and he's he's a really funny guy. Yeah, I got turned on to Lameem on Chris on House of Jordans. He had him on and was talking about him. I was unaware. The conversation was great. I was excited once I got out of the car to go check out his Instagram. I started dying. It had me in stitches. He has been very active this week because there has been a lot happening in the hobby, so if you haven't seen it, or if you are listening and you have access to your phone, go check out the meme that says, Bull Bull Investor's Worst Nightmare. I'll paint this picture if you're not watching this, but it is just MJP on the floor, dribbling a basketball, shooting the basketball to show that he's back on the floor. But instead of the basketball, it is Bull Bull's head. So, (laughs) (laughs) and we've got Plenty to talk about Bull Bull, but any reaction you had to that meme or any of the other memes he's been putting out this week? No, first of all, I think Bull Bull is just like a walking meme himself right now. It's just, it's crazy. <laughs> so yeah, anything which is, I see Bull Bull's face, I just start laughing uh, just with all the crazy. How did it get to that point already? Because I'm doing the same thing. 
it's the social media, man. Like just any like, something happens, you look and there's just memes everywhere. Like people are just on top of everything. And Lameen James is is one of them. He's great. Go check him out and follow him. Totally. Well, let's get into bull bull mania, as I'd like to call it, because it certainly has been that. And I know you and I both have been talking a lot about it. And we've been talking about opportunities we have to to capitalize off of bull bull mania. So I think for me, I was in my office upstairs doing work and I realized, remembered, oh, the scrimmage games are back. Ran downstairs, turned on the TV, Wizards were playing the Nuggets and immediately the camera hit bull bull and I was like, I get a chance to watch bull bull play in a Nuggets jersey right now. There had been so much talk about bull bull from the card community and it was funny before I even stepped foot on the floor, you had these people that were, small but mighty segment who were these bull bull loyalists. They have been buying bull bull all year and they have been very strongly stating, this is what I think bull bull can do. And then you had this other group. I will raise my hand and say, I'm a part of this group that just was worried about his injury, which I think, you know, you've talked about on your channel, worried about his injury, just unsure about his game translating. And so these two sides that are very divisive, but then no one had seen him play on the Nuggets. And then all of a sudden he stepped on the court and all of a sudden he balled out and all of a sudden there was hysteria everywhere. So I think that's the kind of set the stage. Is that like, did I capture that accurately from your perspective in terms of bull bull investors and non-investors and then just him playing and you know what's happened on the back end? Yeah, that's, that's basically what I've been seeing. I was kind of in the middle. I was uh, somewhat of a bull bull loyalist. I got a funny story. I was playing 2K, just my player, and I was playing against Bull Bull. And I tried to block him when he went to go dunk it. He dunked on me. We went back down the other end of the court. He blocked my shot. He came (laughs) back down and he drilled a three. And I was like, holy crap, can this guy really do this? I started checking out his stuff and I was like, this guy can ball. So I looked into the injury. I was uh, buying some of his cards. You know, my mindset was if I get his cards, there's nowhere but up if he comes out and does great. So I bought over 50 of his cards and, you know, look where we're at now. So yeah, look where we're at now. It's bull bull mania is where we're at. But I think the fallout of the game like that, and I think I talked about this on Wednesday, it was a scrimmage game. The Wizards are, you know, severely injured little defense, but then he did follow it up in his second game with another strong performance. So whether it's a scrimmage or not, there's some consistency there about this kid can play a little bit. His cards have kind of skyrocketed. And so that led me after the performance to immediately go run upstairs and under my futon and look at where all my bull bull rookies are and pull them out and figure out, okay, how many do I have? What products are they in? And then what am I going to do with it? What was your process after you had heard or seen the numbers Bull Bull put up? So I didn't even know he was playing, to be honest. I thought he was out until next season. Because if you go to one of my episodes where I talked to uh, Chris, the, uh, the sports card PT, he talked about his injury and we thought he would be back next season. But I guess with the delay with the coronavirus, he was able to come back. So I didn't even know he was playing. So I saw through social media all this stuff that had happened. And I was like, holy crap, I have a stack of Bull Bull where his price is at. And his base prism had shot up to like $30. His silvers were at 100 And I was like, oh my gosh, what am I going to do? Like I bought these just, you know, to sell for a moment like this. So whether it's he's maybe he's a good investment right now, 
you know, maybe he is better than Michael Jordan, like some of the memes display. <laughs> but it, like, I felt like I needed to sell when the explosion happened. That was my plan. So I had to stick to it, not get emotional, get caught up in the hype or anything and just put mine out there. And, and I definitely, I sold all, all my 50 plus. So I think you said something there that is worth unpacking a little bit, but I think there's this emotional connection we have when we make these purchases on these players and the vision we have when we make these purchases are, we think this, these rookies are going to pan out to maybe be the leading scorer on their team, potentially be all stars. And they're going to, that's why we're buying them. And I said this on the Wednesday episode, I said this, I compared this bull bull experience to if this was Sekou Dumboye, what would I do? And because I've invested all this money into him. But I think you take that emotional connection you make with these decisions and players and then apply it to the what's happening in the market right now. And if you are able to take the emotion out and apply it, what's happening in the market, like chances are people that bought in deep on bull bull were waiting a year, two years from now for the car prices to soar. And it happened overnight, not even overnight. It happened in hours. So is that like, did that make it easier on you to not just hold the cards and wait for Bull Bull to become the next Giannis, but more, hey, let me sell these Bull Bull cards because I'm going to see a return on what I forecast maybe two years from now. Well, I actually did some analytics on finding like analytics, the next big guy. And I took all the players in the NBA and divided it by the players who we didn't think were going to be great. And I could only find three, Steph Curry, Giannis, and Kawhi Leonard, who were still in the NBA. So you look at that, the guys who are at MVP level, who've gotten MVPs, finals MVPs, and I can't sit there and look at my bowl bowl stash and say, yep. He's one of them. Like, I can't do that. So I saw the prices. I had to put it out there. And uh, I'm going to say it with my 50 plus cards, I made over two grand. And I'm I've, very happy about it. Yeah. that. I mean, a week ago, if somebody said, woke you up and said, hey, Jordan, put all your bowl ball on eBay right now. You're going to make $2,000. Could you even have dreamt it? I would be, you know, if I was dreaming, I would just wake up and go run to my card stash and start digging them all out. And that's exactly what I did when I saw the card prices. So totally. And I had just my, what happened with me is I had a very modest stash compared to Jordan. I had a silver, I had some, you know, Donruss, I think three Donruss. I had an optic base and I had a purple hollow and I had a base mosaic. I put them up for $200 best offer. And no one, they, they, I didn't even get a best offer. Someone just paid full price, 200 bucks to get those bull bulls. So that to me just shows, wow, strap in because there might be more of these types of situations that are coming as the playoffs unfold and we just need to be ready for them. Yeah. And I've learned from this, uh, this market is so reactionary that I know everyone has their list of guys that they like, but it might be too late for this season, but next season, it might be a good strategy to just get a stash every single rookie. You know, just go out there and get them all. And you just wait for their moment and they're going to explode because it's the reaction. We've seen what the, how the market reacts and whether you believe in the guy or not, you know, he could come out of nowhere, have a moment like this and explode and you just sell your stash. Like it's easy money. It's just where we're at right now. It is. And I like that perspective. And I think it might be helpful Obviously, you said you know you you were moderate on the bull bull camp, but you still bought enough cards that netted you two thousand dollars. 
what like the purchase of those cards were they individual lots like what time period and time frame did you go through to kind of make those purchases like from products to timeline that sort of thing well i have this uh, strategy i call it the michael porter junior effect that i believe in because uh, i saw it all last year michael porter junior was out for the year but his rookie cards were still coming out so i felt like those were coming out at a minimum and all he had to do for the next season was play step on the court and the prices were going to go up. Uh, if he got hurt again, you know, we're talking a different story. But so I applied it to this year. You know, there's a uh, Chumo, Kiki, Dylan Windler and Bull Bull. So I had those names in my head and discords and fire sales. Whenever someone would put up a lot, hey, 10 Bull Bull cards, two bucks. You know, I buy it. So I got all these for about around $10 total. <laughs> Just, you know, silvers, prisms, and uh, people were just throwing out bull bull because it was just one of those random rookies that they got in packs that they were just trying to get rid of and trying to get whatever they could. And I knew his situation. I'd done my research on him and uh, these other guys. And it's just a strategy in, in and of itself. I wasn't going out on eBay, like looking for bull bull. They're just ones that kind of came to me with good deals. Totally. And I will say this, and I don't want to speak for you, but I think you and I both come at this to say, we're not selling because we think Bull Bull is going to be a bad player. Like I'm actually excited about the potential of watching this kid play. I mean, he can do more than I anticipated just from watching him for two games. I'm selling because this is the peak period and I don't want to get greedy. And I'm just, I'm coming at it from that perspective. Is that kind of what you thought when you made the decision to put him up for sale? Right. So this guy who's buying, you know, all of my car, all of my 50 plus, He's probably going to come out the winner of this. These cards look good. Like they can be graded. They can, uh, they can gym mint. It's just my financial situation right now. Two grand looks good to me, but I'm not saying this guy's a loser for paying, you know, that amount. He's probably going to get them graded and he's going to get a lot of tens and he's going to go and sell them and he's going to make a lot of, a lot mm-hmm. more money than two grand. So we're both winners in this situation. It's just the way you look at it. I'm not saying Bull Bull's a smart buy at these prices, but you know, if you see something like that and you have time and you have the capital to uh, make those types of purchases, it's not a bad play. Yeah, it's all relative and everyone's got different situations. And for me, that I'm trying to not buy as many cards so I can save up and buy bigger cards. And adding that $200 to that stash that I'm trying to save up to buy a bigger car sounded better than hanging on a bunch of Bull Bull cards. But I will say it, I'll be excited to watch him play. I think everyone wins and everyone has a different situation. We just need to all see that when we're making decisions and transacting into the hobby. But I think that something that that might lead into is the fact that not a lot of people are talking about it, but I think it would be worth educating, you know, people that are new to the hobby and people that might be new to NBA and basketball when they're thinking about bull bull to think about just these playoff rosters and how they work. You and I had a little back and forth on this, but most teams going into the playoffs, they shorten their bench. And so there will be less opportunities for guys like like Bull Bull to step on the floor when it matters most, those playoffs happening. So you're moving from, you know, 12, you know, 13 guys to eight to nine man rotation. So I think that's something that everyone should take into consideration because I think the bull bull situation is kind of like a perfect storm of NBA back, guy balling out, people wanting to buy cards. 
that's something if you're watching sports and you're looking for the next bull bull this season might be a little more difficult than anticipated. Do you have any thoughts around that? So with the, with this whole bull bull thing, his price is shooting up. My theory is for the past few months, people have been looking at these teams that are going to be in the bubble and they've already been buying up the players, the rookies who they think are going to blow up. And Bull Bull was just one of the few exceptions where no one was thinking about him and they saw what he could do and his prices exploded. I don't think that's going to happen with a guy like Dante DiVincenzo that people like. Like they're kind of expecting that to happen. Like they're looking for that to happen. And these are things that have been talked about for the past few months. It's just the Bull Bull thing just came out of nowhere. So I wouldn't go buying you know, Dante DiVincenzo with the expectation that he's going to have this kind of jump. It's just Bull Bull came out of nowhere. My reaction to the Bull Bull thing and with all these playoff teams was what player still out there could have that kind of reaction? And I know this, this episode's coming out on a Friday. I've already made these purchases. I'm not saying this is going to happen. The name of a guy who's really popular that if he came out and he did well, it was Taco Fall. So I went out and I paid like a hundred bucks. I got like a 40 Taco Falls and I read that, you know, Celtics might use them in a, a playoff situation just to kind of throw a team for a loop and kind of give them an advantage if they're losing momentum or to gain momentum. And, you know, people really like Taco Fall with his, uh, his all-star voting. He was up there. Uh, so it's people are, are looking, they want him to step on the court. And if he comes on the court and does something great, his prices might skyrocket like ball balls. But I wouldn't expect it with all these other guys. It did okay. So, so did you buy the mosaic card? Is that the one? I got mosaics. I got uh, selects. Uh, basically, all like two dollar ones, just uh, really cheap ones that you know, if they shot up to like ten bucks, we're looking at five x. So, so we haven't talked about this ahead of time at all. This is the first time hearing about this, but I think my reaction to that is why I like it. Is I'm a big fan of those buying, you know, forty cards for two dollars. I'm a big fan of that. And I'm a big fan even more of when the team is going to be, we know that, or we can predict, or Vegas is predicting that the team is going to have a deep run. And so in that Boston situation, like injuries happen, disadvantages happen, there are different matchups. And whether you look at it like it or not, like Taco Fall is a differentiator and will cause the other team to do things differently just based on his size. So you get this big dude out on the floor and, you, you know, he makes a, cu- a couple blocks that might help save and win a game in a series or, you know, has a couple dunks or hit his free throws. Just gets any moment of shine in this playoffs under these market conditions. Cards like that are the ones that can shoot up quite a bit. So that's a really sound thought. And I hadn't thought about Taco Fall yet. <laughs> Yeah, I just remember the NCAA tournament a year ago where Taco Fall went toe-to-toe with Zion Williamson, and, you know, he held his own. Like, this guy can, you know, he can hold his own with guys of Zion's talent. It's just, what you see him when he steps up to the, the scores table, like, everyone gets on their feet, and they're just really excited about him when he gets on the floor. So if we see that, let's say we're like in a, a conference finals situation or in the finals and, you know, all of a sudden Taco falls stepping out on the court, like you know, people are, and he comes out and does well, it could explode. I'm not saying he's a buy. I'm not one of those people who's just like, hey, buy him because I have all of his cards. I'm not that guy. I'm just explaining my thought process. 
Yeah, so you've got me now just like, I don't know if I'm going to get this out of my head. It's just LeBron going up for a dunk in the finals and Taco Falls just swatting <laughs> the, the glass. So somebody else, so somebody else that I'd, I'd love to get your opinion on. I've watched like, I'm surprised my wife hasn't divorced me. I've watched so much basketball and it's been scrimmage games. It's over once the season starts. But one guy I've definitely been watching more with a close eye and definitely understanding a story because there's some off the court activities that get people attracted to what he's doing. But I've been paying more close attention to Matisse Thibault on the 76ers. Do you I haven't formed an opinion on his game. I know he's got in documenting all of the bubble experience. He's a very smart kid. He connects with this generation coming up, you know, using social media. You know, he's a good player on a solid team. So do you have any thoughts on him going into the playoffs, fitting into their rotation? What are your thoughts on him? He's actually not one of like my guys that I've been after and hunting all year long. I do know that uh, Andy the sports car investigator, he's in Philadelphia and he won't, he won't shut up about this guy. Like he really likes his game and he's, he keeps telling me like, Hey man, I'm buying them. I really think you should. And I'm just like, I don't know. He's just not one of my guys. I haven't really paid too much attention to him, but I do think Philadelphia is just, they are one of those teams that have a unique talent all over the court and they could make a deep run and they could be a problem for some teams. And Thibault's definitely a, a guy who could get some limelight in those types of situations and maybe maybe some i'd love to get your feedback on not necessarily card news but we'll just a couple topics and then we'll get into some card stuff but i guess first one is tom thibodeau in new york and i think you know there's obviously there was a little bit of fallout but the tom thibodeau and derrick rose relationship in chicago led to d rose you know being the mvp and before he got hurt basically being like, this guy is the next guy. And so I know Thibodeau, based on the way he doesn't do anything but basketball, that's all he does. He was able to use that and really put Derrick Rose in a good position at an early point in his career. So I'm curious on your, from your perspective, because everyone wavers on him, on his potential and future. I don't know if it's the situation or they don't think he really has the skill, but What do you think Tom Thibodeau does for a guy who everyone's buying or has some stash like R.J. Barrett? Well, first of all, I hate Tom Thibodeau. Uh, (laughs) He's coaching the the Bulls, and I'm a Cleveland Cavaliers fan. And when he was there, that's when divisions kind of mattered. Like you wanted to be at the top of your division. And so we'd see the Bulls a lot, and we'd see him in the playoffs. And I hated him because of that look on his face. And also, he's a really great defensive coach. He creates problems with his defensive schemes. So I definitely think, I'm not going to say he's going to make D. Rose, you know, D. Rose again. But defensively, he's a really bright mind. And I think for a guy like R.J. Barrett, that gives him, you know, more fast break opportunities, you know, more open looks, um, which gives you better shots, you know, gives you more layups, which gives you more confidence. You know, I played varsity basketball, and if you get that first one to go through, if the layup off of a block shot or a missed shot because of a good defense, that gets your confidence going. So, RJ Barrett, he's got all the talent in the world. He just seems, you know, kind of scared of the lights of New York, mm-hmm. but uh, definitely uh, an off season for him with a guy like Tom Thibodeau. It's going to help him defensively, and it's going to get him more opportunities in the future. Just those those easy buckets. Totally. And then 
the other one is bat. Let's let's head back. I spend a lot of time talking about Philadelphia, whether it's the Eagles or 76ers, and it's not intentional, but I just do. But the Sixers situation fascinates me definitely with Ben Simmons moving to the four. Do you think, like, what do you think that does for them in terms of making a run in the playoffs? Do you think it helps or hurts them? Well, I know he made a three and everyone was just crazy, but we're in an NBA where spacing matters. You really want your four and your five to be able to hit those long range shots. I don't know too much about his post game, but it's still going to condense the floor and it's not going to help your guards. He really needs to work on that three. And I did see him just completely brick a three the other day. He's just really off. Like if you don't have a jump shot by now, it's not something you're going to learn overnight, but he's good at attacking. I just don't see it as a, like a floor spacer. He's, it's not going to be, it's not going to be a game changer for me. I've seen him, you know, take those threes from the corner because that's where the fours are going to be getting it on the kickout, but teams are just giving it to him. And unless he goes on like a Zion Williamson debut stretch where he just hits like three in a row and just coming out of nowhere, like I just don't, I don't see it really changing much. Yeah, I feel the same way. And the brick shot definitely got some hobby love. And that, again, I'll call him out. Lameem James had one showing that. My comment was, this playing the Grizzlies, my comment was you could see, if you watch the video, you see the back of John Morant. And I said, John Morant was playing Jedi mind tricks on Ben Simmons, <laughs> trying to suck the last of his hobby hype away from him and into <laughs> Ja. So that's how I read Lameem's meme on that. That's hilarious. So let's jump in. Something I want to talk about is the bottom half of the East and the West. And the teams and the rosters are just kind of, it's almost laughable just because some of the teams in these positions are they're ransacked, whether it's injuries, guys not playing, guys not wanting to play. So maybe like, I think it's pretty obvious, or maybe it's not so obvious in the West, but maybe we can talk about these teams and their records. And then I'd love to know just from your perspective, who you think might hit that spot in the East and West. And then if the conversation leads, we can talk about maybe guys who will be playing and potential guys we should be looking at in the hobby too buy or sell if we have them. Does that sound good? Oh uh, yeah, definitely. Uh, as an investor, I've, I really have my eye on that eight spot in the West because it's like John Morant versus Zion. This is what the NBA wanted. So I definitely think whoever gets into that spot is they're going to get the Lakers hopefully. And they're, they're going to get a, a lot of views, a lot of ratings. And those are definitely some teams I want to have some money in. I'm Personally, rooting for Memphis in that situation. Mm-hmm. I really like Triple J. I really like Brandon Clark. Those guys I have a lot of cards of. And I think they, especially a guy like Brandon Clark, I think he, he's got that athleticism where he can make that one dunk and just really uh, change the game. And Triple J reminds me of like a, a younger Kevin Garnett. So I, I really like both of them. Yeah, I'm a Memphis fan too. I, I'm that, we're on the same page there. They're in the lead. They got the eighth spot. I'm a John Morant investor, collector, massive fan. Brandon Clark, I love. I love Triple J. I think there's just a ton to like about um, that team. The one you mentioned, New Orleans, but the team that didn't get mentioned that is right behind, or not right behind, but closer to Memphis than New Orleans is Portland. And I, it's almost as I watch Portland play because they played the Pacers in the first scrimmage game. 
I really started to watch Dame Lillard and thought to myself, is he a guy that we can deny at this point? Because I feel like he's going to do everything in his power to try to get that team into the playoffs. But I haven't looked at their schedule and seeing who they have to play, but I don't know. I don't know. You got Carmelo who's skinny mellow now all of a sudden. He's looking good. And you've got, you know, uh, Jerkic is healthy. So Portland, like on paper, looks like if the matchups go their way, they might gain some headway. But I don't know because I know Memphis has to play New Orleans a few times. So what are your thoughts on Portland? Do you think that they could catch fire or do you think this is Memphis' spot and no one's going to take it? Well, Dame has that Mamba mentality, uh, rest in peace, Kobe, because he just that one stretch over the year um, where, you know, the Lakers were trying to win for Kobe. He just came out and just torched him. So he's not a guy I want to bet against. And there is a guy, there's a rookie from last year that I actually really like on that roster who's got a really good ISO game. Gonna throw it out there. Yeah, Anthony Simons. He was a five-star prospect in high school. He's really young. His IQ's not there yet, but he's got the handle. Like he's a guy who can. They can just give him the ball and just tell him to go score, and he's gonna go find a bucket for him. So I really like him. I got a lot of cards in him. But yeah, as an overall team, they definitely you know could cause some trouble for those upper echelon playoff teams. I'll have to. So I saw him play. I went to Pacers Portland. And I saw him play and I was unfamiliar with him. And I, he looked kind of like a, like a little guy compared to like a, they've got a big roster. So he, well, if you're looking at their bench, you're like, all right, what's this dude up to? And I'm like, I wonder if he gets the floor. It was like the end of the second half, he hit the floor. And I was so curious on what, like to watch him. And I was like, he looks kind of timid, but to your point, when he got control of the ball, he definitely has some handles and he's very, very quick. So I think that he got some run in the the game against the Pacers. So I think that is a, that's kind of like, I don't know, when you're playing fantasy and you've got the deep or deep league sleepers, that could be one to look at for this upcoming playoffs. But I'm with you. I'm, I'm having a hard time denying uh, Dame Lillard right now after I, you know, you see him put up 52 points and will his team. So it should be interesting in the West. Do any of the other teams, I know it seems like they're so far away, but Phoenix, San Antonio, Sacramento, New Orleans, do any of those teams do anything for you? Is there any opportunities in there that people aren't talking about maybe? Yeah, you know, Sacramento, Marvin Bagley, he's putting up some great stat lines over these scrimmages. You know, um, zero points, uh, zero assists. Go, definitely go buy Bagley. He's a buy and get his second year cards if you can. Guys, that's sarcasm. No, not really paying attention to those other guys. Uh, uh, Phoenix, uh, I know a lot of people are high on Booker because of the the Gary V push. Uh, uh, Aiden, he's he's got some range to him. He's one of the best rebounders in the NBA already. But no, the, those guys, I, I'm not really looking at. I just want someone to tell me. So Memphis is 32 and 33, and Phoenix is 26 and 39. I want someone to just make a YouTube video and tell me this is everything that has to happen for Phoenix to make the playoffs. Because it seems almost ridiculous at this point. Right. I, these guys just want to play basketball, the ones that showed up at least. So it's, yeah, it's crazy the way the NBA did it. I would have been okay with them just saying, all right, here's our uh, eight teams for each side. Well, let's play ball. Totally. I would have been okay with that, but they had to get Zion in somehow. So this is where we what, are. It was, is this all because of Zion? I think so. It definitely, you know, he gets the ratings. They want a Zion LeBron. That makes money. 
especially when you don't have fans there. Like you ha- your, all of your money is from these ratings right now. It's all for the commercials. It's all from viewership. You got to have those matchups. So just pull in all that revenue. What, ha- what happens to, he's back in the bubble. He's going to hit the floor. My guess is it's when they play for real. What happens to the Zion PSA 10 when he steps on the floor for his first game? I don't know, man. Hopefully they go up to, uh, to like $1,000 because uh, I got a few of them myself <laughs> that I've been holding on to. But uh, I, in this market, I have no idea. I'm not going to make any predictions. People are crazy. If they're spending you know, two grand on a, a few bowl bowl, uh, if Zion makes the playoffs and he's got a nice play against LeBron, dunks on him, who knows where we're at right now. But maybe if you do want some predictive, if you want some predictive stuff, definitely, I think we were both fans of Card Ladder. So I'd go check out Card Ladder because they have some of that stuff baked in. I meant to talk about this earlier, but just to give Card Ladder a plug, Bull Bull on their ladder is their, their, uh, his silver is up to $700, or, which is just insane. And it's up position 25, <laughs> right? Position 25. Here's it's a pop of 66 and six sold last week. So there's some movement there, which is crazy. Um, but that's what I like about card ladder is when all this crazy stuff goes on in the hobby, it gives you a resource to turn to, to look at the pop, to see the transactions and it's super quick and easy. Yeah, I agree. I use card ladder myself. I like the, my collection feature. I, this sounds like an advertisement now. I, I, it, it does. It, it's not. We, we just like the product. Right. I, I use the, the My Collection feature just to see where my cards are at. And uh, I do like to see the ladder every day. And not just see what specific card is up there, but to see what players are up there, what players are trending. And I do like to see who's lower on the list, who's being overlooked. And uh, yeah, we, we don't want to make this full advertisement. Thanks, uh, Chris and Josh, for Card Ladder. Yeah, definitely. And go check out their crossover show at midnight for people on the East on Fridays on Instagram. We were both in it. And I just, I left that conversation. I talk about this on Wednesday a little bit, but I left that conversation where I was like, man, this is fun hobby stuff. Like people were, people were being informed. People were getting together. People were laughing, talking about hobby stuff. It was a, it was a great use of my hour. And it was part of that good stuff happening in the hobby. And um, stuff I want to connect myself to. So shout out to those guys because their stuff is always on point. Yeah, I've talked um, to both go ahead. individually now and they are just people that you just have a conversation with them, whether on camera or off camera, you just learn so much. You might think you you know a lot about the hobby, but just the things they say and the, the theories and the ideas that they have, they are very intelligent and they're they're very intuitive. They're They're guys that if you have time to listen to that crossover show, just hop in, like just ask them questions. They, they have really great insight. They're, they're definitely, you know, the good side of the force of this hobby. Totally. And I, I know Chris well, haven't connected with Josh, but definitely I am very, whether I can afford it or not, I'm very fascinated with the LeBron James market and the LeBron people who've been collecting LeBron for a while. And I, to me, that's like, you've got all this hobby stuff that happens every day and people talking about bull bull and cards and this going up and people selling that. But like, you've got all these other things that are like, kind of like the sub side stories and LeBron's cards are always one of those for me. So I gravitate to people who have knowledge on what's happening and have really good sound opinions on the LeBron market. And he certainly, for me, he's been in that game for a while. 
So I learn a ton from him when he's talking just about LeBron cards, which I think is definitely information that I like to receive on a regular basis. Yeah, yeah, they're definitely great. I I have an episode coming out very soon with uh, Josh, so you guys can check that out on Sports Card Analytics. Yes, definitely check that out. All right, we talked about the West. Let's talk about the East. I got to tell you, man, like I've been watching so, so, so many games and these like these teams specifically when I was watching them, I had to like go back to like NBA.com and look at active rosters just to make sure I was seeing things correctly. Like these teams on the bottom side of the East could not be more ransacked, like whether it's players not playing injuries, that sort of thing. And you've got right now at seven, you've got Brooklyn who literally has like, I mean, it's, they're bringing guys into play, which is interesting. And you've got Orlando, which they, they've got their team more or less fully staffed besides Chuma. But again, their roster is just not super strong. And then you've got Washington, who no one's playing. You've got Rui, who's kind of that flagship piece. Do you have any strong feelings? I know it, Brooklyn is, our, our, Orlando's got, they're 24 and 10 right now. And they're kind of holding that last spot. Just why, like, Washington, do you think they can like make any headway or do you think there's going to be any movement on there? What are your thoughts on just the bottom part of the East? First of all, the East, I've been watching the East playoffs my whole life with Cleveland being in there and usually Cleveland's at the top when they're in the playoffs. It's even when the teams are healthy and everyone's together, those top teams normally, you know, make ease with those bottom teams. So now that they're ransacked, it's teams I'm not really looking into, but I will say Brooklyn, the Nets, a year ago, before they had Kyrie and KD, they they look solid with uh, great chemistry. And maybe we'll see that again. They could make some noise. Yeah, and there are pieces on that team like, that I like. And like I think Karis LeVert, his last game, his last scrimmage game, he had like, I think it was 27 points. So it looks like their offense might be going through him. In turn, I think it's one of those things where do you think based on like playoffs happening or even just regular the last eight games happening, do you think there's an opportunity for even though these teams look ransacked and there's no superstar power for a guy like a Karis Levert to have a couple consistent performances and then the hobby goes and pays attention to his cards? Like, do you think that can happen for a player like that or or not? What do you think? I don't think so. I think it, like if he came out and you hear with Devin Booker all the time, like, oh, he's just putting up uh, stats on a bad team. If he came out, had some huge performances, they would just say, oh, well, there's, you know, KD's not there, you know, Kyrie's not there, like no one's playing with them. So like, I wouldn't expect a huge bump, but mm-hmm. I'm still learning this market, these, this new market. So I, I'm not going to set that in stone, but sure. I wouldn't expect what about a guy like Mo Bamba? It seems like he's he's like a hobby hype guy. People I see on Instagram, oh, Mo Bamba looks so fit. Mo Bamba, Mo Bamba. Everyone's talking about Mo Bamba. What are your thoughts on him? His player type, I've never liked that player type being drafted like in the top five, but because uh, they, they never really turn out to be that great, like a Hashim to beat type mm-hmm. guy. But yeah, you know, he is very, very athletic. He he can shoot. He could make some noise. But but once again, it's it's just one of those, you know, good performance on a not so great team. I don't think people would get too hyped over it. All right. We gotta talk about the just the top of the bill because do you have any thoughts on it'll happen by the time that this episode drops? And we talked about both teams in our last conversation, but on yesterday, I guess, the to kick off the season, the Lakers and the Clippers are going to play each other. What's your 
prediction that's going to happen in that game? Oh, man. We're going to have arrested LeBron. We're going to have rested uh, Anthony Davis. Who's the home team? I'm kidding. <laughs> I'm kidding. I'm kidding. Uh, LA. Yeah. <laughs> LA. And they're in uh, the bubble. But uh, it's going to be just one of those fresh, everyone's fresh, everyone's going full blast. I can see LeBron winning that kind of game, you know, fresh. If they see each other deeper in the playoffs mm -hmm. where, you know, they're kind of beat up from some other series, and that's when I give a guy like Kawhi Leonard the edge. Yeah. But everyone fresh, I, I, I take the Lakers. Yeah, it's tough to deny LeBron that first game on that stage. Obviously, we've talked about how much we like Kawhi Leonard and just his track record, but I think that the Lakers, we could both be wrong here, but I'm going on your side. I think the Lakers are going to win this game. I think it's inevitable that they're playing each other again. But I think I think that this game will be very tight, very competitive. We'll see the rosters and the players that those teams are going to be playing and the minutes that they're going to get in each of those games. So that's what I'm going to watch for. I'm going to watch for like how much does Kyle Kuzma see the floor? Probably a lot based on it. I mean, he's having a great scrimmage run so far, but what other pieces off the bench are the Lakers going to be using? That's what I'm curious about. So excited. Just I'm excited. NBA's back, man. It's all I can be focused on. And it's fun that we're able to work and operate in the hobby while sports is actually happening. We're seeing craziness happen because of it, but I think it makes it fun. But I want to change lanes a little bit and have you maybe talk about just some observations you've seen so far in with Major League Baseball coming back and some some observations on the card market and things that are happening. So baseball, I've had a very close eye on it, uh, especially with the rookies this year. While we're having this conversation, they've only played about two or three games for each team so far. Um, I know when this airs, it'll, they'll have a whole weekend, but it's not as reactive as the NBA. I did reach out to one of my uh, close friends who's an accountant, but he could be MLB scout if he wanted to, but he, he doesn't want to travel around and everything. But I asked him before the game, for open, before opening day, I said, can you tell me a guy to look out for a rookie who has power that I can get for like a dollar? And he said, yes, check out Kyle Lewis for the Mariners. So, I said, okay. So I bought 30 of his, his rookie cards for a dollar a piece, just kind of an experiment just to test out this market to see what happened. What set is that from? What, like a top set? Yeah. The tops, top series one. Um, okay. Consider the flagship. It's like the prism baseball. They prefer the, the paper cards over the Chrome cards for the flagship. But I bought a uh, 30 of those for a dollar a piece. And what do you know? Kyle Lewis, very first at bat. Hits one like 440 feet and just destroys it. I look on Twitter. I see he's trending on Twitter. And I'm like, wow, his card's going to explode. It did shoot up to about 4 or $5. So we're talking 4 or 5X. So a little bit of a reaction, but not like it would be if it was this NBA market. I've also noticed other big names with the White Sox, uh, Luis Robert, Eloy Jimenez. They had some really good games to come out and their cards haven't really changed much. So it's baseball is definitely going to be a long haul. I think the baseball investors are a lot smarter. They're not going to just react to one performance. They want to see a whole season. They want to see it progress. They want to see how they do. 
as they see more pitchers, different uh, scenarios. It's definitely a different feeling with baseball right now. So, so maybe what I'm hearing you say more logical in sound investing than just like something happening and running to eBay and buying loads of it. Right. And that's just been kind of the mindset for the baseball hobby enthusiasts. They, they're a lot, not, I don't want to say smarter. It's just, it, they're more traditional. That's the word I'm looking for. They want to see a guy, you know, actually show what he can do throughout an entire season and not just react to, you know, one home run. And Kyle Lewis did come out his second game. He hit another home run and his card prices actually dropped a little bit. So mm. it's definitely a different world. I wouldn't, I was just testing it out. You know, I'm going to make a little bit of money off of these, but it's, it's not like the basketball market. I think the NFL market's going to be a little bit more reactionary though. Yeah. And do you, so you think it's, do you think based on what we're seeing, like, let's just say with Bull Bull is because you've got all these new people that are entering the hobby and everyone hears that, you know, whether it's, you know, from Gary V, that was like the lamp that turned on cards to these people that they're just immediately trying to pick and choose and find spots. And there's a lot of people coming in and that they're just buying these hot players that they're reading on social media. Whereas MLB, it's kind of like people, it's the market smaller. There's less people. It's not really the gateway. You're not coming into the hobby and going to MLB. So most of these people have been doing it for a while and are more sound. Is that what I'm hearing you say? Kind of. I mean, they might be coming in into baseball. I, I think the main part of it is how we read box scores. And when you look at an NBA box score, you can tell like who had the who had the best game. And like you can see if a guy exploded. You don't even have to watch the game. When you with baseball, you can see a box score. Yeah, if a guy goes four for four, two home runs, that's huge. If a guy goes, you know, like two for four, one home run, you know, that's a decent game. Or if he goes one for four and he hit a double. That's not a bad game either. He could have had some great defensive plays that just aren't going to be on that box score. That's why I think the NFL, uh, we, through fantasy, we've learned how to just glance at a box score and tell who really blew up that game. Mm-hmm. But I, I, I think that's definitely helping the reactions because the whole bowl bowl thing, I just looked at his box score. I said, wow, I didn't have to watch him play uh, until I did look at that clip of the block and then coming down and hitting the three. It was kind of like uh, when you're playing 2K and you're calling for the ball and they won't, it says like call for pass ignored. That's what Bull Bull did to everyone. It just ignored everyone and just pulled up for a three and drilled it. But yeah, back to the box, box scores, it's definitely easier to tell who had a great game based off all, reading all of those. That's such a good point and something I, I mean, we all do it, right? Anyone who is in the hobby looking at potential prospects, we're all looking at box scores and there's that fantasy component that makes it natural and easy to figure out what players are doing. So I, that's something I hadn't thought about it, but you brought it up and I want to close out a little bit and talking about just football. I know before we jumped on, we've got, there's a lot of opinions and there's opinions everywhere on just timing and football and the virus and it happening, but let's just, let's take the most optimistic perspective we possibly can and just say, there will be some measures or something in place where the season happens and whether it's with fans, whatever it is, it's not our job to think about that, but whatever it is, they're going to be playing game. So we'll start from that. I think I have spent, I've been talking about football a lot. Obviously we talk about football and DFS focus around receivers and opportunities. 
I've been spending the last couple of weeks spending more time just on the running back position. I think if I'm coming at football investing in cards for the first time from a DFS lens and DFS perspective, I'm if my theory is that I think more people are going to come in and treat the hobby like they were treating their daily fantasy lineup, then I think that would mean that there's going to be a lot more transactions and a lot more people that are kind of setting their card lineups every week and trying to make profit off of that. So inevitably, when we're building out our DraftKings or FanDuel lineup, a big component where a lot of people start with before they go plug in all the other spots is their running back positions. So I have tried to spend a little more time educating myself on the current situation in market to the current situation in market of the running backs NFL entering the first week. And I think something you said last week definitely triggered a thought for me is that it's not, and I'd like for you to maybe share a little more thoughts on this, but you said in the last episode, it's not necessarily like buying a Kyler Murray card because the QBs mean everything and him being $200 and him going winning a game and moving up to 225 or whatever. But you could have a Josh Jacobs that's his silver's 20 bucks and he goes, has two touchdowns and 150 yards and his card could then jump to 40 bucks in the week. So the percentage gains there is a lot stronger for a running back position. Could you maybe, that was something that when I listened back, I thought more and more about and have taken that with me as I've kind of been digging into the hobby, but can you share some more perspective or additional thoughts on that approach? Because I think it's really sound and I've not really heard anyone else speak on it yet. Yeah, my thought process goes back to the stock market. It's like when you when you own a stock, they say you hope that the stock has a stock split. So you own one share and all of a sudden it splits to two shares. And if, if you have two shares of it and it goes up 10% each of two shares, you're making more money, even if that's at a lower threshold of money. So that's the way I see it with cards. I look at a guy like Kyler Murray and I'll say, okay, his rookie card's $200. How many can I get of another player for that $200? And then I look at their percentage gains. And I've noticed that you know the lower, you know, the cheaper cards, they get a higher percentage gain naturally because people are, you know, if it shoots up from $20 to $40, you know, they're spending... You know, $20 more, but it's that's 100% uh, return on investment. Uh, so that's just my whole strategy overall is trying to find what's going up percentage wise, because that's where that's where the money is. And I know the, uh, the dark side of it is trying to move more cards. That's a little bit more difficult. Uh, a lot of people will say, well, I want that one big card because if it goes up, you know, 50%, all I have to do is sell that one big card. Whereas if you have 10 little cards that go up 50%, now you have to move all 10. So it's, I see that side of it. I understand that argument. Um, but I, if you get a card for a dollar, it goes up to $10. You got 10x. Tell me how many cards you can get for $300 that are going to go 10x in a short amount of time. Totally. Um, and I think there's definitely a site in the buying process of this. It's all psychological. And I find myself like looking at a card that's like a hundred bucks and being like, I shouldn't, I shouldn't do that. And then I get excited about someone who I think is very undervalued. And then I'll go buy 10 of their cards for 10 bucks and then go spend that hundred dollars. And for me, like, I don't know, it's something about that feeling of having multiples of a player. The relationship feels tighter with that player. It feels like I'm going to be spending more time because while the financial component might be the same as investing in one card, investing in several 
feels, I know it feels a little uh, stronger for me. So I think my observations are with football market and with running back specifically is there's a lot of opportunity to maybe buy in low on some of these guys with the thought process and theory of they're going to have a, a, a game or, or two at the beginning that's going to see those cards that are cheap right now move up 2x and 3x. And if you buy 20 cards of a guy that you believe in and you spend a couple hundred bucks and that holds true, then you're up uh, in a big way. And I think then you can go take that money and go buy that nice Kyler Murray card or go put it into basketball and buy that Luca card. That's kind of how I'm looking at it and seeing it. Yeah, yeah, I, I agree. Definitely uh, with the upcoming season, with fantasy football, I feel like I'm a good fantasy football player. I'm always in the top three of my leagues. I'm always looking at the schedule. So if we're already in the hobby, why aren't we going to uh, use that knowledge that we're using in that energy that we're using for fantasy football and apply that to the hobby and cards. And I wasn't doing it last year. I wasn't really thinking too much about it with the the running back because, you know, there's just that rule is everyone will tell you when they come in the hobby, you're told immediately, don't buy running backs and wide receivers only buy quarterbacks. And I see why they say that, but I wasn't paying too much attention to running back prices and wide receiver prices. Even some tight ends are are up there. You know, you can get a guy like Noah Fant. He's great for fantasy teams. He's so there's there's a lot of those lower buys. Don't expect them to be at the quarterback prices ever. Mm-hmm. But those look at the percentage gains. Don't just look at the overall total value. Totally. And I think maybe we'll close out with I I always think it's good when you're creating content and you're in the hobby to not only tell people what you think, but also share your work. So I want to share some work I've done just in terms of research on a couple opportunities and get your feedback on the players. And, you know, if you'd buy them for the situation or maybe hold on to them for the end of the year or whatever your desire is, but more or less tell you about the situation and then get your reaction. So basically what I'm seeing with Bull Bull and basketball, a guy has a, has a big game, big, big performance than, you know, what we, Jordan and I did was went and tried to get all of our cards to sell it because we wanted to, you know, try to hit that peak period. And I think the DFS mindset with football, a lot of people are going to try to capitalize off of cards they have on a week to week basis. I think the transaction volume is going to increase. So I think if we're looking at running back, I think the NFL, like people do who do fantasy, like it's very matchup driven. Like Teams and defenses and players like only the elite of the elite are forecasted to be the top three or five or top three to five at their position every week. It's very rare. It's more based on the situation guys are in on a week to week basis when you're playing DFS. Like I say that being like, well, it doesn't necessarily mean I'm going to go start the same guy every week. I might start another guy because his price is cheaper and I like his situation a little better. So, with that being said, I kind of looked at the first game we have to look at is week one that's going to happen. So I looked at week one, looked up all the matchups on week one. I looked at running backs and their value or how much they're going for on eBay right now. And I picked three games with three matchups for the running backs that I really like. And I like it not only, I like it from a fantasy perspective, but then I like it from a, if I'm listening to this episode right now, these are guys that I could go in and buy for cheap who might 
see a little bump in price after a good performance. So the first one we've talked about a lot, and I'd love to hear more of your thoughts, but the first one, I'm going to be a homer here. We've got the Colts playing the Jaguars, and we're talking about Marlon Mack. And we're talking about Marlon Mack because first and foremost, the Jaguars were 28th in the league last year at run defense. They didn't, they lost Calais Campbell to Baltimore. So they've lost pieces. So to me, that line has only gotten younger, that defensive front. And then they're up against the Colts offensive line. And I'm a homer and I try to tell it how it is though. But like the Colts offensive line is the strongest component of their team without question. One of the best in the league. So you've got this really strong offensive line going against this, you know, Swiss cheese type of defensive line. And then you've got a player like Marlon Mack who, you know, you can buy his rookie cards, his prism right now for, you know, $5. And so last year, Marlon Mack started the season off against another bad defensive line in San Diego or LA, excuse me, and, you know, had 171 yards and a touchdown and was a thousand yard runner. And no one's talking about Marlon Mack. I don't know if it's because of Jonathan Taylor or what, but based on Marlon Mack, that thought pro- or them playing the Jaguars, that price of $5, like what are your thoughts are if you're someone who's listening to this and you see there a potential to have a big game and that his cards to maybe raise up to $10 or what do you anticipate with a player like Mac? And if you don't like him, it's totally okay to say that too. I oh, know. Actually, I do like him. He's one of the guys I would look for for my fantasy teams last year. Jonathan Taylor being there does change the situation a little bit. But we are looking at a team that he's going to be going against week one in a season where the next draft is going to have two like really good quarterbacks and Lawrence and Fields. Mm-hmm. Uh, so I, I see the Jaguars as one of those teams that I'm not going to say the players are going to be tanking, but you know the organization as a whole didn't want to rebuild that defense. It was historically a decent defense in years past, not just not last year, but it looks like they're setting it up to start losing games. And I could see a guy like Marlon Mack getting uh, 100 yards, two touchdowns. And then all of a sudden, where people are going to be, they're going to see that from their fantasy and they're going to go straight to eBay because that's what everyone does now. We go mm-hmm. straight to eBay, we look at prices. And if you already have that card, they're going to buy up all those $5 ones and that's going to drive the price up. The market's so reactionary right now, I don't, I don't see it cooling down. To the point of the NFL season, I, I definitely can see a scenario like that happening. But yeah, Jonathan Taylor is there, so he could get some carries. There's also a preseason and whatnot. I actually know preseason, but a guy could get injured and, and not be there. But Marlon Mack would be you know, a solid play right now. It won't go down, that's for sure. Yeah, and I think like one of the things too with just NFL in general, there's no preseason. Stuff's getting tighter if they play like I'm inclined to think that coaches are going to lean on guys that have been there and done that instead of going and throwing another rookie out there, like gradually putting rookies into the workflow of the game. So I do. I'm a big Marlon Mack supporter. Um, I like that. A couple other ones for you. We've got a new name team, so we're going to call them Washington Football Team. (laughs) Washington Football Team was just the only bright spot I'll say about them last year was Terry McLaurin. and. You know, I've talked about how much I talked this week about how much I love Terry, but they were terrible on defense. The second worst in the NFL to the run and they're playing a divisional opponent 
And I'd love to get your thoughts on what do you think about just the future in Philadelphia of Miles Sanders? Well, I mean, you you brought up the Redskins and Terry McLaurin. I'm an Ohio State fan. I'm going to... Oh, that's right. Yeah. Speak to that for a little bit. Uh, Go for it. Talk about Terry. Terry's got all the time in the world on stacking slabs. Right. So Terry McLaurin, he's a beast. He's a Buckeye. He's with Dwayne Haskins. I'm going to talk about Dwayne Haskins negatively. (laughs) I've watched him for a while at Ohio State. He's one of those guys that doesn't have that, that zip on his throws and I knew he, he would kind of struggle in the NFL because he just doesn't, he can't fit it in those holes. And at Ohio state, like he was throwing the wide open guys. So he was just kind of lobbing it up to him. So I knew he would struggle. I know a lot of people were talking about Dwayne Haskins is going to be that second year guy to pop off. Uh, I just don't see it mm. with the Washington football team, <laughs> but I really do like Terry McLaurin. Uh, but yeah, we, we can get over Miles Sanders. Uh, this is probably more of a question. Cool. Question question on that, though, because I think there's an opportunity here. So I'm with Jan Haskins. You obviously have watched him a lot more than me, but I've seen enough of him at Ohio State. And then he looked lost last year in his opportunities. Do you think that means that – Are they? do you think Riverboat Ron is going to put Haskins out there to begin with, or do you think it's going to be more of a competition with someone he brought in from Carolina, Kyle Allen? I've actually – I'm in Charlotte. I've met Ron Rivera – Great guy. I, I just want to put that out there. He's just one of the <laughs> nicest coaches. And I've also met Kyle Allen and uh, got, got their autographs here in Charlotte. Kyle Allen, you know, he's got some grit to him. Like he's just one of those guys, kind of underdog. He knows the offense. And I've seen Haskins. I just don't think he has that, that talent to really be there. Um, but Ron Rivera is definitely going to get the best out of both of them. Uh, I just don't think they're going to be a great team overall. Um, I mean, they don't even have a football name or a team name, really. <laughs> Shout out to the, you know, the marketing department. That's one of the greatest memes I've ever seen. Yeah. But, uh, but yeah, that's, that's my, uh, my feelings on that situation. Okay, talk about Miles. Miles, I'd never draft Eagles for fantasy football. I just, I'm not a fan. I guess every time I took Wentz, he just wasn't there for me. So I just didn't take anyone from that offense. Yeah. But they're definitely... Uh, Hopefully he's healthy again and he can open up that offense for them. He's definitely a guy who can pop off and get those those stat lines that's going to make people reactionary and want to go buy his cards. I don't know where they're at right now. Price yeah, they're a little hot. They're a little higher than I like Miles Sanders. The things that I that I'm hesitant on is just Philly and you know Peterson and the kind of running back by committees. That that is a little bit of a detractor for me but they've gotten a little bit higher. I think he's a nice young player, but I've just been a little more cautious. However, I think if you can get a couple Miles Sanders cards that might be nice and just hang on to them with the intention that you're going to sell them after the week one, there might be opportunity to see some gains because Washington's defense, two in the front line, there hasn't been any steady improvements. They've not gone out and just like, went gangbusters there. So that's just, I think there might be an opportunity on a short-term basis with a player like Miles Sanders and his cards. Yeah, I know Andy, the sports card investigators listening to this right now and being in Philadelphia, he's like, man, Jordan's got nothing good to say about anyone <laughs> in Philadelphia. So, I'm he sorry. says that to me all the time. <laughs> all right, so the last one, and this will be, uh, we're talking about a team that's in the city you are in, again, not a great run defense last year. Not a great year in general, aside from it's fun to watch CMC. It always is. But 
he's they're playing a guy that I bought a lot up. His prices have jumped a little bit. I think I'm done buying him for now. But you've got Josh Jacobs week one, that Las Vegas Raiders team. It's almost like we're in a new new era with all these team names and changes. You've got them playing him playing the Panthers week one. What do you think about Josh Jacobs, you know, from a week one or a whole season perspective? Well, I want to talk about uh, Christian McCaffrey. I know we're, we're going long. So if people are listening to this, I got a story. So I was at the uh, Charlotte Knights game. Christian McCaffrey is throwing out the uh, first pitch and I had a jersey to get signed and I was holding it down to the tunnel and he walked over and he grabbed my pen and some guy said, no, not right now. We got to go do an interview. So I was like, oh, really? So he walks away, and then the next second, it just pours down raining, and I missed <laughs> autograph. He ran back into the clubhouse. The game didn't happen, and I was like, are you kidding me? So, so you, you've got Le- LeBron ghosted you, Christian right. McCaffrey. I mean, you've got some – Jim Tomey, you've got some heartache. I know. It's tough. But, I mean, McCaffrey was going to do it. Like, he was right there. It's just that guy told him not to, and then it just poured down. Like, the worst rain I've ever seen in Charlotte. Yeah, I was just like, man, I just have no luck right now. Uh, but, <laughs> but Josh Jacobs, very talented. John Gruden with his uh, 10-year contract, I, I thought that was a mistake. But he seems to know what he's doing over there. I do like Josh Jacobs as one of those bigger power backs. I didn't have him in many fantasy lineups last year, but he's definitely one of the, the second-year guys that I'm looking to to have a great season this year. And the Panthers' defense is not good. It is not mm-hmm. good at all. I've, you know, I had to listen to all the Panthers fans around me. They just complain about how they can't stop anyone. So it, he's definitely a guy that could go over 100 yards and definitely score a touchdown that first week, and you want to have some of his cards. Totally. I love that. And I, I think with Josh Jacobs, for me, he'd be out of this group. One of the guys that if I had his cards after week one, I might be hesitant on selling. I'd probably hang on to him a little bit just from the perspective of Gruden and his Gruden is just all in on Josh Jacobs and wants to run a lot through them. So he is going to get a lot of touches and he's going to have a lot of opportunity for, you know, to dance in the end zone, like I say, and others, other opportunities. So I think the point of this was really to get you all to think about just the running back position and opportunities and not, don't just say, Oh, I'm going to go out and get into running backs and go spend $150 on a Zeke Elliott card. I think that's what most people probably will be doing if they're going to spend on running backs. But I think there's opportunities outside of those top tier round one fantasy football guys to see some nice, nice growths and gains. And it's just really on us to look at some matchups and potentials on scenarios, usage, what kind of offense these teams are running. Are there new coaches involved that like to run more than the previous coach? There's just a lot of opportunity. And again, I, while I am watching the NBA, I'm spending more of my time investing in the NFL. And I think I'm just trying to get ahead. And if I can hit on a couple of these, then I get a nice payout that I can then go take back and then pump it into a, a numbered Luca card that I've been looking at. But just it's too expensive for me to afford right now. Yeah, sounds great. And I think this is the end of the episode. So I just wanted to thank you for inviting me on for a second time. And I can't wait to come back for the third time next week. I'm just kidding. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, everybody. Um, hope you enjoyed this. I know we got good feedback on the first one. Hopefully that continues. If you hate us and we're, we don't believe in what we're saying, then you can tell us in the comments. Well, we're willing to accept harsh criticism and feedback. And to me, if you're not getting feedback, good or bad or ugly, then that means you're doing something wrong. And I got to say, I'm so thankful for 
the community that's been, you know, listening to Stacking Slabs, people are happy to reach out to me and share their thoughts. And that fuels me and it's really excited on a day-to-day basis. So with that, everyone out there, take it easy, stay safe, and we'll talk to you real soon. Man, I love those conversations. I had so much fun. There's so much to unpack. If you got questions, you want to chop it up, slide into the DMs, follow me across all your favorite social media channels, follow that Stacking Slabs account, follow Jordan on Sports Cards Analytics. You got to do that. Subscribe to his YouTube channel. Hopefully you're all having a good time listening to this content. I'm having fun delivering it. Take care. Stay safe. Take it easy. Enjoy sports. It's on TV. We're all blessed for that. Happy collecting. Happy investing. Talk to you again real, real soon.